Welcome back to Red Deer Public Library's official podcast, Part of the Story. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Brown, and today I'm joined by Jen McIver. <laughs> Do you prefer Jen or Jennifer? Jen, <laughs> So today we're talking fantasy sci-fi, but like our own rules of fantasy sci-fi, really. <laughs> because I'm not a huge fantasy reader. Like you've been a fantasy reader for like... These years many years. 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 <laughs> but, like, I like to consume fantasy and sci-fi, but you probably have me beat. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so we're just going to trade some recs back and forth. Uh, but first we're going to talk a little bit about sort of how we came to this list, what fantasy and sci-fi elements sort of do it for us. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so before we get into it. So, like, when you think fantasy, Jen, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, like, high fantasy, like, Full world building, are you thinking like fantastical elements in real world stuff? Uh, I definitely go for the like high fantasy <laughs> stuff because that's what I started on. I started with The Hobbit. Okay. That was kind of the first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quote unquote <laughs> uh, fantasy that I read. And even though it's a small book, there's not a whole lot of world building in mm-hmm. there. There's enough. And I was enamored ever since then. <laughs> now, I don't know if you know the answer to this. You probably do because you're a longtime Lord of the Rings fan. Is The Hobbit a prequel that was written after Lord of the Rings or was it written like before Lord of the Rings? Uh, if I remember correctly, it was written after the Lord of the Rings. So then it sort of assumes the world building and knowledge from its predecessor series. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's like, listen, you know we're hobbits. Yeah. Let's just get into it. We're not yeah. going to explain it. He wrote it for his grandchildren, so it's an easier read. See, I love stuff like that. It reminds me of, are you a C.S. Lewis Narnia person? I, I have read them, yeah. So I remember, I think it's, uh, well, I know it's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He has a dedication at the beginning for his like great niece or something like that. And he's talking about, it's, it's such beautiful, you look it up and anyways. But it's basically, he's writing it to this child who was a child when he started the book. But he says something like, books grow faster that are grow slower than little girls so hopefully one day you'll come to it and feel that magic again sort of as an adult and like so as a person who started reading fantasy as a sort of like probably preteen yeah I think I was under 10 yeah Yeah. so like when you revisit things do you feel that same sense of magic or does it continue on when you feel when you find other fantasy reads are you feeling that same sort of like comfort and like magic that you did when you started I, I think with like new reads, yes, because it reminds me of that first time. Yeah. It reminds me of like being a kid and finding out that you know magic. <laughs> what kid doesn't love magic? <laughs> um, but if I reread The Hobbit, it it doesn't quite hit the same. No. Um, but yeah, definitely any future reads always brings me back. And like, have you ever taken a break? Have you ever thought to yourself, I don't need fantasy right now and taken a year or two and just like nothing was hitting? Or are you always just like, you know what, it hits a little bit? <laughs> I think it always hits a little bit. Uh, I think sometimes I have to take breaks from like high fantasy just because... The world building is so intense. Yeah, and it's it's like, okay, I just need something light and easy to read yep. in between. So I'll maybe go like a month or two without reading any intense fantasy, but yeah. I don't think I've ever gone longer than say three months so it really is always speaking to you (laughs) it's a good escape so we have some like I think in the library and I think a lot of like conversations that you have with patrons we often use sci-fi and fantasy sort of like intermixed interchanged and 
we used to have like a fantasy section and we would shelve a lot of our sci-fi titles in there as well. So to me, and you can set up your own rules, uh, but to me, like fantasy is like fantastical elements, dragons, magic, creature, elvish creatures, whatever, right? And sci-fi is like maybe something dystopian or maybe something with like AI, computers, even like time travel-y stuff to me would be sci-fi. How are you feeling about that? I, I, I agree for the most part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, to me, fantasy has always been like some level of magic or mythical creatures or and even like paranormal romance sometimes. I'm like, yes. Eh. Ooh, I have some for the list. <laughs> but sci-fi, the first thing that pops in my head when you say sci-fi is space. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So. I forgot to say space. <laughs> yes, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, dystopian that kind of stuff, I think, falls more under sci-fi, sci-fi. Too. So we're just going to go back and forth with our recs, what we like about them, why you should be liking them if you've not <laughs> liked them already. Um, what's the first thing that you would recommend to someone, either getting into it or, or a long-time fan? Your choice. Oh, man. That's a tough <laughs> one. Uh, Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse is... A relatively easy high fantasy to get into because it's not like it's not like Lord of the Rings or the Wheel of Time or anything high fantasy yeah. but and also already 15 20 books in oh, yeah exactly <laughs> you're like oh god <laughs> um, and it jumps between characters too like it has different POVs mm. which I really like because it kind of helps balance the world building I feel like fantasy does that a lot I think so too. Yeah, and maybe that's why I like it so much is because yeah. I read it a lot. But uh, I think it, it's nice in this series. You get you don't really know who the villain is because everyone's seeing themselves as a hero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing, and it bounces between the two main characters who both think they're doing the right thing, and. It's, it doesn't, it touches on the world building enough to get an idea that this is not like our world, right. but it doesn't go so into depth about it that you lose interest. That you're completely like, I have no idea where we're going. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think fantasy can do, especially like older fantasy or fantasy that assumes knowledge of an entire genre. I think that's sort of where you get into trouble. I read her other series. The first one is called Trail of Lightning or something. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I I like her writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Black Sun is on my list, but <laughs> I didn't get there yet. <laughs> but um, I think I'm going to go with a film for my first thing. Right. And, like, this was a late edition that I thought about literally last night while I was, like, falling asleep. And I was like, how did you not put this on your list? You really liked it. <laughs> and so I'm not starting off with straight fantasy. I'm starting off with sci-fi. Okay. And it's Tenant from 2020 yes. because time travel I love it so much so Tenet is a film that came out in the year 2020 and it's a Christopher Nolan film so if you know Christopher Nolan you know that he likes to mess with timelines quite a lot he does it in quite a few of his movies actually and Tenet is about a like an agent but we don't really know for who or for why <laughs> and he's moving through time in a particular way other people are moving through time in a different way, perhaps. And it's so good. When I saw it in the theater, I got to the end. I was with my movie-watching friend. 
And he was like, I have no idea what's happened here. <laughs> and it's like, listen, you got no time travel stuff to understand what's happened here. And then when you rewatch it, I love stuff where you can like rewatch it or reread it and yes. get something else out of it. And I think that it builds on itself every time because you're like, oh, I see you right there. I understand what you've done here. And it's like a little nugget of thing that you didn't <laughs> see the first time because you weren't looking for it. Yeah. So I love I love stuff like that. Are you a tenant fan? Oh yes, Watcher? absolutely. Yeah. And it was one of those movies, you know, Robert Pattinson. I was just Fantastic. like, do more of this. Yeah, like please. <laughs> no, so, so good. good. Yeah, he was so charismatic. So like right from his first screen, because he seemed so comfortable with the main character. And yes. You're like, but why are you so comfortable? <laughs> and I just I loved it. I yeah. loved it so much. Great performances, like small performances from a lot of people that mm-hmm. you would recognize. Um, but Christopher Nolan seems to do that. He builds these huge ensemble casts, and they have like little bits and they make up this huge hole that is just so so good i can't wait for his next one oppenheimer which comes out fairly soon but yeah get into tenant you can put it on hold at the library get it you have no excuse (laughs) (laughs) what's your next rec um i think i'll go with my all-time favorite currently graphic novel um yeah i didn't start off with it because graphic novels aren't for everyone for everyone um but as far as graphic novels and fantasy go, it's like just peak. <laughs> uh, it's called Monstrous by Marjorie M. Liu, mm-hmm. and th- th- this is gonna sound really sad, but <laughs> I was at the at chapters and I was just browsing through all the graphic novels, and I pulled this one out, and it had like a child fox kid on the front. And a cat with three tails. And you were uh, like, listen. And an awesome half demon lady. So I was just like, you're coming home with me. <laughs> and I actually ended up loving the story. Like it's 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 definitely in, in more geared towards adults because uh, there's some themes in there that wouldn't be suitable for kids. Um, but the whole like you get. For a graphic novel, you get a pretty good grip on the world and the like races and the religions and all that pretty quickly within the first book. And the art, the art is so <laughs> beautiful. I, I, uh, the artist, the illustrator is Sana Takeda, I think. And I like I love the art style of the book so much that I was like browsing her website trying <laughs> to see if I could buy a print or something from somewhere. To, blow it up and put it on my wall. I love finding that. I also like the idea of recommending a graphic novel to an adult audience. I think a lot of times um, adult audiences think that they're not for them, right? Like that it's somehow not real reading or whatever. And to have like world building in a graphic novel takes really a lot of patience and a lot of also on the other side, dedication from the author and artist to really plot out a story together on how they're getting to where they're going in a way that their audience will understand. Absolutely. How many books is in that series at present? Do you I think remember? There's seven or eight now. See, so you can get on the ground floor, kind of, yeah. and like <laughs> get into it. Those covers are striking. Every single oh, one of them. Yes. Then when they come in, they are eye catchers. I might, I might just try to like find them in secondhand shops or something so that I can find one to deface and like frame myself because I love them so much. They're they're beautiful. I haven't read them yet, 
but they are beautiful. But on that note, I'm going to go with a manga. Ooh. I'm going to go with Death Note. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Death Note is about a young man who finds a notebook called the Death Note. And if he writes someone's name in it, three days later, they'll die of a heart attack. And so he decides, well, first of all, he's not exactly sure that it's real. <laughs> so he tests it. So there's that. Um, but then he decides to sort of enact his own justice in the world. And it spirals way out of control. And he becomes this, like, cult leader that no one really knows who he is because he's doing it all sort of just behind the scenes. And I watched the show first and I don't remember how or why I ended up watching the show first. Um, but it's it's so good. And I, I like things that are, like, contained. So, like, Death Note is, I think, 13 volumes. I think 12, so. 13 volumes. And the show also was not very many episodes. Maybe 22 episodes, something like that. Um, maybe 30. But, like, for an anime, like, usually those are much, much longer. <laughs> and, like, for a manga, you have some series that are in the hundreds and something yeah. volumes. <laughs> so to have, like, a self-contained, it's basically a mini-series, for lack of a better term. But it's so interesting because you think about the morality. Because he starts off, like, killing criminals and, like, doing the things that, like, people will, like, you know, say, oh, if it were me, I would do such and such. And then it's him, and he's like, I'm going to do that. And then it's the world sort of grappling with the morality of things. Very, very split, because you have his supporters that are like, well, he's killing criminals, so, like, how bad could he be? And then you have the rest of the world being like, who made him the judge? <laughs> it's a exactly. criminal. Um, was that one that you enjoyed? I did, yeah. And I actually, years ago, did the same thing. I accidentally watched the show first, but it was the, the live action. Oh. And it was, so, like, obviously it wasn't, looking back on it, it was like, oh, that was not good. But I had no reference so, yeah. until I read it. And yeah. then I was just like, oh, I was missing out. <laughs> but, like, so good. I love, I just, I like original stories. And I think sci-fi and fantasy really allows a person, a writer, a consumer of things to really find something original because there's not really any rules. If it's your world that you're making up, who's going to stop you? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What's your next one? Um, I think we'll maybe dip into a little bit of sci-fi. Yeah, dip in. This time. (laughs) Um, Really highly recommend uh, Disney and Pixar's Lightyear. I haven't seen it yet. And, like, the, the movie itself is great, but I'm outing myself again because I lost my mind over Socks, the robot cat. <laughs> I loved it so much, I bought uh, Build-A-Bear the next day. So, <laughs> um, like, Socks definitely makes the show, but it's actually really nice and fun to see where the toy Lightyear came from mm-hmm. because they do reference that he's a movie... A toy made off a movie in the first Toy Story. Yes. So it's just like, now we have the whole answer. Now we know <laughs> what happened. <laughs> so there was some controversy about Lightyear coming out because it was like, it wasn't voiced by the original person and like all of those things. And I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> but do you feel like it was a story that sort of stood on its own and therefore you could then enjoy Buzz Lightyear as a little 
toy character and it would just it's like sort of two separate things that are sort of tangently related but like would you say their tones were similar would you no their tones were very different okay um Lightyear touches on quite a lot of like loss um whether it's family or friends so like grief grief yeah all of that um time travel your favorite <laughs> technically speaking <laughs> um it's actually, like, the middle of the movie is actually quite heavy, mm. so I wouldn't say littles might enjoy it like they would enjoy Toy Story. Yeah, so it's not bright and popping and no, coming at you at all it's, times. <laughs> it's actually, it's pretty, and even, like, the palette of the movie, nor- normally not something I notice, but mm. it was quite, like, muted for so a So sort of match with the themes of grief. Yeah, interesting. Exactly. So... I, that's a lot of it on my list. I don't know why. I have Disney Plus. I have literally no excuse. I, just, I have to say, just socks. Get it for socks. <laughs> it's on the list. It's coming way, way up the list, I promise. Um, so the only, like, what I would categorize as high fantasy book on my list is one that I read this year, actually. And, like, for a long time, the cover was just enticing me in some way. And so we had it on display here. And then I saw it at chapters. And so it just, it just kept coming up, right? So it's from the Empire of the Wolf series. It's the first book in that series. just came out. Uh, well, it didn't just come out. It came out this year. But you know what I mean. <laughs> I um, it's called The Justice of Kings by Richard Swan. And so it's the first in a trilogy, which also, yay, because I can't get into 15 books right now. Yeah. Um, so it follows a character who is like... A, justice detective and goes to these like different smaller communities like in like a medieval kind of time and then sort of investigates the crime judges it and if he all by himself if he decides that that is what happened executes that person straight away as well (laughs) but what i found really interesting about how this was written because it's mostly the perspective of his young female apprentice so she views him in a particular way how he treats her is very um equal and also um how do i explain this also like because i expected him to be very like anti-feminist mm. but he wasn't okay. but he also wasn't like we're 100 percent equal because like i'm clearly like the justice dealer and you are like <laughs> learning um but i didn't find him to be like disrespectful if you will i guess i don't know um, but sometimes when she's narrating, so she's narrating to us from the future. Okay. So she's like, she'll tell us something and she'll give us context or she'll speak directly to us as mm-hmm. the reader to be like, I didn't know at the time, but, or like looking back now, I can see this. And so like she's giving these like little asides while she's talking to you. And it wasn't terribly long, especially for a fantasy novel. It's a trade paperback. I think it was like 300 and. 30 pages like really really, yeah (laughs) um so like highly readable but also it was a little bit like like crime-esque like it had that crime element even though it was like there's magic and all that kind of other stuff (laughs) but like it was very interesting and I immediately added book two to my shelves on Goodreads to be like I need to remember that I'm I'm very invested in this but it was just it was very interesting because it wasn't what I expected. Because when you see the cover, it's like a man sitting on a throne. You can't really see his head, uh, like his face. And then he has like lions and whatnot behind him. And you're thinking that's going to be some sort of fantastical like beast <laughs> kind of story. I'm not sure. But it was much quieter and like a little slower, more deliberate. 
but yeah, the narration or like the character perspective was very interesting. It was something I didn't expect. That's not one I've read. So yeah. I'll be adding that to my list. <laughs> so I was like, and so Jen and I talked about doing this podcast some months ago. Yes. <laughs> so it was one that I specifically read because I was like, I need to have something new <laughs> from this year. And this one felt like it was stalking me. Yeah. So it felt like I should read it. And then I really, really enjoyed it. So it was meant to be. Right? <laughs> and like sometimes it just it just be like that though. Yes. <laughs> What's your next one? Um, it wasn't one I wrote down, but I remembered yesterday and I kind of wanted to smack myself for forgetting about it in the first place um i read the majority of the series in 2020 because covid and being laid off <laughs> there was whatnot. time yeah <laughs> it was a time and it was a fantastical world that did not have covid so it was a good escape uh it's by jane linskold and uh the series is the firekeeper Sa- firekeeper saga um i think the first book is wolf Wolf's ca- wolf captured something okay. along those lines. They all wolf themed, which you hate. Uh, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally didn't pick it out for the wolf wolf girl. Uh, she's basically like M- Mowgli, but oh, okay. so like raised by wolves. But in this world, there there's wise animals and then there's normal animals. So the wolves that raised her were wise wolves. So they are they they're still animals, but they're bigger and they're more on the level of humans like for sentience and like consciousness yeah, exactly okay. so she learns to communicate with them and what i liked a lot about the book was that it very often called back to how they were communicating hmm. so they're not talking there's no like other than them being magically smart <laughs> there's not really magic involved they she had to learn to speak with them she learns to read their language with tail flicks and ear flicks and the way they're sitting and their posture Mm. their eye movement that kind of stuff and growing up she has to learn how to compensate for all those things she doesn't have in order to uh, converse with them right and they're always very like Obviously, you just think about it, how it's translated out for the reader, not yeah. how they're actually thinking of each other. Yeah. But I, I quite like that it starts with, there's this lost princess from a family that tried to immigrate somewhere else in the land, and the whole place that they built this life got burned down, and they assumed there were no survivors, but then someone finds this teenage wolf-raised <laughs> child <laughs> and uh they're like this must be the princess we're gonna take her now no. uh sh- and she doesn't know how to communicate with humans she didn't know there was even anybody that looked like her so then the wolves that raised her essentially her mom and dad are like here take your brother with you oh. um and it, like there's eight books i think and they're oh, wow. they're your classic fantasy size so like 800 plus pages so they mean it but yeah <laughs> but when you have nothing better to do you, you go through them pretty quick oh geez yeah how old is that series do you know when it started not off how the did top you, do you remember how you came across it um i actually think we had the first book here okay and i started reading the first book before covid kind of got distracted with work and with everything life. forgot about it and then when when 
COVID hit, it was like, well, I have nothing better to do but <laughs> read these long fantasy books. <laughs> so I actually bought them all. I bought most of them print. I'm slowly collecting them mm-hmm. from like secondhand stores. Uh, but I, I either rented at the time we had most of them on Libby. I don't know if we do now. Yeah. And the eighth book, I think, just came out that year, too. So I bought that one on Kobo, because why not? Because no waiting. Exactly. I didn't want to wait. No. Once you're in it, you're in it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's interesting. I've never heard of something like that. Like, do you find that it really sustains well over the course of the series? I think so. Like, and it expands in a way that you feel fulfilled yeah. By those page lengths, by the number of books, etc. Definitely. It was like each book kind of had its own problem. Okay. And they would usually solve said problem by the end of the book. So you feel like fairly fulfilled. After yeah. each book, you're not constantly being like, to be continued. Yeah, to exactly. Continued. You didn't, it <laughs> didn't often leave on such a cliffhanger that you were like, I need the next book now. Yeah. Unless you're me and I just wanted more wolves. <laughs> then I'm like, That's I need a different the book problem. now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't, they didn't end from what I remember, to, like, sheer cliff, so yeah. you're desperate for the next read, you could leave off and be like, I'm satisfied for the rest of my life. But I kind of like that, too. Like, I love a series when you love a series. But sometimes you can get so bogged down that your other reading suffers, or, like, reading in general mm-hmm. feels like you're doing a job now. Yeah. So I like to have a story that, yes, I want to continue with those characters, but I can also have a full and complete story and then take a little break, and then come back to it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes they just don't do that like they should. Mm, fantasy tends to, especially print fantasy, has a bad habit of being thick books with teeny tiny print. Oh, my word, yes. Which just the makes it feel... The smallest of all small prints. <laughs> yeah. Which just makes it feel like you're taking even longer than normal to read a book. And, and I think it can be really frustrating for the readership as well. Like, I mean, let's talk about George R. R. Marmer for, like, just a hot moment. Like, people are waiting yeah. for those final books in the Game of Thrones, like, Song of Fire and Ice series, Game of Thrones series, yeah. whatever. Um, because I think they are, I'm, I haven't read them, and I'm not going to start until we know that the books are going to get published. But I think they are a very continuing type of narrative story. Yeah. I think people are waiting for certain storylines to be tied up or where are they going or whatever and I think that happens a lot in fantasy stories because you're continuing with these characters and they're growing on their journeys and you know whatever so if yeah if you have this huge break in publishing and then you've also done these cliffhanger storylines it's hard (laughs) yes I think Robert Jordan who did the Wheel of Time series kind of started that I remember my dad saying he would wait years between each book yeah and then George R.R. Martin is carrying the torch there's another fantasy author Patrick Rothfuss oh yes who's doing the same thing I've seen his face every time someone checks out the the second book I'm like well welcome to the waiting game (laughs) I've been waiting for seven years (laughs) it's hard it is I find it very hard to wait and I think if you're coming from other genres because these are so such weighty tunes, if you will, Um, they take a lot of time and a lot of people have to like go through it and make sure that continuity wise is working and like the rules aren't being broken from like previous books, etc. And like when you come from like I'm a romance reader, Jen knows. Yes. Jen been new. Like, we're talking one book a year, sometimes two books a year from that author, right? And I'm not saying that their writing is less than, 
but if I come from a genre that you're feeding me constantly, and then I have to wait five, six years for a book, I'm not going to remember what I read in your previous book. Oh, yeah. It's just not going to happen. Even as a hardcore fantasy reader, I'm like, there's a point where it's been enough years, I'm not going back to that series. I've, for- I've forgotten most of what happened anyways. Yeah. So I'm not sitting here going, oh, man, what's going to happen See, that's in the, the next thing. Book? Like, will you be fulfilled on that long-awaited read when yeah. you – it's been five, six years, and you were super excited, maybe even the first two years. But then, yeah, you read too many books in between. It's like, yeah, I don't really remember. There's better books out there. <laughs> yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. So speaking of <laughs> romance, as, as I'd like to always bring it back. Of course. Um, I'm going to recommend two series that feature the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Ooh. Yeah, because romance be doing that now. Of course. <laughs> um, so the first series is Larissa Ione's, I think it's Ione, it might be Ione, I-O-N-E. Um, so it's the Lords of Deliverance series. It's an offshoot series from her Demonica series. And just a quick story about the Demonica series <laughs> before we get into Lords of Deliverance. Um, they are very spicy, Like, even spicy by today's standards of spicy. And I remember talking about the series, about how how much I loved it and all that kind of stuff. And a couple of our coworkers, one who we still work with and one who has long since moved on (laughs) to some different pastures. But they were both like, oh, I want to read them. And I was like, okay, sure. That's fine. So I brought them and I gave them to our coworker, Sylvie. And he read the first probably half. And he was like, listen, Claire, (laughs) I can't do this. (laughs) So I was like, no problem. And then I gave the others to Nina and she just like flew through them. And so this series, I think you get more enjoyment if you have the Demonica base because it's doing all the rules and the, and the story and like whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think they, they are really good on their own as well. And so it's the Lord of Deliverance series. It's a four-book series, obviously, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Um, the first one is Eternal Rider, which features war. Immortal Rider is the second one, which is famine. Lethal Rider is the third, and it's death. And then Rogue Rider is pestilence. And I will say, so it's demons, it's angels, it's the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. People are mixed in there as well. <laughs> like other like half monstery things are in there. It's just it's really good, but it also is probably ten years old now, maybe even twelve years old. So some things that are less common <laughs> in today's vernacular might show up in gotcha. these older ones. But I still think that they are good because they are what our contemporary um, fantasy paranormal romances are sort of built on. So I would say that she's sort of built on Sherilyn Kenyon and then other authors are sort of building on her because we're talking spice, okay? <laughs> um, so I think like a person like Katie Robert, for example, oh, okay. really okay. would have been like, okay, we can we can go all out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, and then the other Four Horsemen series, which is newer, is the Four Horsemen series by Laura Thalassa, and she just names them after the Four Horsemen. So it's Pestilence, War, Famine, and Death. And they were, and they still probably are, on Kindle Unlimited. So if you're a Kindle user with a Kindle Unlimited, absolutely would recommend. And it's what you, it's Four Horsemen, and inexplicably the human women that they fall in love with. Of course. <laughs> like, I remember downloading Pestilence being like, 
how? (laughs) (laughs) And, like, not taking it really that seriously, I think it probably was fairly beginning of COVID (laughs) that I started getting into them. And I was just like, um, okay. And then it was, like, so good. (laughs) The world building is really good. It's dark, and it pulls, like, no punches. So if you're – I would check triggers Mm -hmm. and content warnings for any of them because – they're not pretending that anything about this was good at a certain point, right? And, like, maybe there's some, like, Stockholm Syndrome happening. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But um, they're very dark, very grim, and oddly hopeful. I I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) We just got to take your word. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But they are really, really good. And the fact that I've read two excellent Four Horsemen paranormal romance series... Like, I'm looking for a third. <laughs> Drop the Rex if you have them. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, what's, what's on your agenda next? Um, the Wayward Children series by Seanan McGuire is... I, I kind of... I think I discovered the first book a little, quote-unquote, accidentally when it came across the desk... It had a fantasy sticker on it. You were like, ooh. It, uh, it had a beautiful cover. Um, the title is Every Heart and a Doorway or an Open Doorway, one of those. And it's like maybe barely 100 pages. Oh, which is a Which wee. is very rare for fantasy. <laughs> it is not high fantasy in that it's not like set in its own world or anything. It's set in our world where... Generally speaking, just from what I've read most of the time, a magical doorway will appear to a child in the weirdest places. Uh, Usually when they've experienced like a trauma or a a significant level of stress, and it takes them into this world that's meant for them. Not necessarily that it was like created for them, but it's like... It's the world they needed. Yeah. And it was a little hard to keep together because there was, like, logical worlds and uh, chaos worlds and just very, like, and, like, even if somebody was at a logical world, they weren't always what you would think of logical. They were sometimes kind of batty. (laughs) Um, Because they almost took the logical side, like, too literally. So it was a little hard to keep that part of the world together, but it's not, like, a do or die. Like, you could skip over those little descriptions <laughs> and be fine. You're not missing much. Um, I, th- I think there's, like, seven books in that series now. They're all teeny tiny, quick little reads. Huh. They're all different. Each book is a different character. Most of the books after the first one... Um, go touch on characters that you met in the first one to like learn about their stories and how they ended up it's it's kind of like a miss peregrine's home for wayward children kind of situation where this teacher who is now an adult came back from her door and built this school for these children because of course they come if they do come back to our world they the parents are like where the hell have you been yeah (laughs) and then they're like well, I was in this world, and they try to explain the world, and then the parents are like, uh, to the psych ward with yeah. you. <laughs> so she built, like, the safe haven for all these kids to try and take care of as many as she could. Oh. And it's, it's 
touching but also <laughs> very fantastical they go on, go on great little adventures and they're all like they're all mostly teenagers I think so I, I think um, theme wise it's more an adult story but I think most of the characters are teens so some so, reader discretion advice yeah basically but, like if yeah. teenagers annoy you maybe don't read them but they're not normal teenagers either so <laughs> that's true yeah. Um, let's see. Let's have a quick, a quick little discussion about this one because I've never read the books, but I did put the Lord of the Rings uh, film trilogy yes. because, as again, a person who's never read the books, <laughs> I find them excellent. Yes, the movies. As a person who has read the books, yes <laughs> or no. I mean, everybody. <laughs> There's, you're going to have the gatekeepers, but as, as even, like, a hardcore Tolkien was the whole reason I got into fantasy, <laughs> and, like, I was reading those books by the time I was 11, I think. I'd only just seen... Dad didn't let me watch the first movie until I was nine, because <laughs> he said that it was too scary. <laughs> um, the books are heavy reads, so, like, they're not... They're not really meant to be read to be enjoyed. He, he made them to essentially house this language he made. Okay. To have an excuse to have this language. He created the Elvish language, and then he was like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I think the movies did a really, really good job, at least with those three, Yeah. Um, of taking the essence of the books and making them entertaining for mass audience yeah exactly majority of people and really all they changed with the movies is they got rid of some of the quote unquote boring stuff the textbook the the textbook talk (laughs) the the very uh literal language talk you know all that kind of stuff some of the more boring characters or <laughs> repetitive characters and even though they're long movies like more streamlined storytelling absolutely yeah. yeah even though you have to play if you have the dvds you have to play two discs <laughs> for one movie it's worth it <laughs> i just i i didn't watch them when they first came like when they first came to theater i was old enough to see them as <laughs> like on my own to decide <laughs> um but for whatever reason i didn't but then i saw them in the probably like late o's and i was like why haven't i not been watching these <laughs> this whole time and interestingly it never enticed me to read the books because usually it's like if i love something then i consume all the things about it yeah but i just thought i don't think that i need to and like judging from what you've just said i agree because I did something similar with Princess Bride. So, like, I watched Princess Bride, love Princess Bride. Princess Bride is excellent. I got the book. No. <laughs> no, ma'am. Like, that is not for me. Um, no. It's, it's, it has that textbook quality to it where the author seems very interested in telling you about this world that they're building where you're just like, I just like the characters, though. Yeah. What if we just talked about them? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what if we just go back to that? Because yeah. I don't need the history of this world. I'm good. I'm good with what we're here now. Yeah. It's all fine. So, I don't know. I think I did learn from that experience, and I just thought, you know what? No. And I don't know why. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong or if you disagree. It's totally fine. 
I like to watch Lord of the Rings in the winter. Oh, yeah. That's usually when I watch it the most, too. Like, I like it to be, like, cozy, and then it's, like, your day. I We're starting this, and this is our day. This well, is our 12-hour day. I <laughs> can't really say this for you, because you didn't watch them when they came out, but I'm pretty sure they were, like, the Hobbit movies. They came out in late winter. The Hobbit ones I did see in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Lord of the Rings did the same. I think most of them came out in December, if I remember correctly. It would make sense, because, like, big movies come out around Christmas a lot yeah, of times exactly. for the box office so yeah, it would so make sense maybe that's why there's just even if you didn't watch them you just feel the vibes just feel the vibes yeah <laughs> it's like this is a winter movie but it's like it's it's a cozy watch but it's also kind of a stressful watch and kind <laughs> of a like just a fantastical watch and I think that they hold up really like we're talking about movies that are like 20 years old yeah and I think they still look good. Oh, yeah. Which is amazing because you painted up against something else 20 years ago. And at the time, you're like, ooh, this looks good. Yeah. But then you're like, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> like, it'll be interesting, just as a little side note, Avatar, the second one coming up, mm-hmm. which like will have already been out by the time you all hear this podcast. <laughs> so maybe you'll have seen it. Maybe we'll have seen it. We don't know. It's future us. <laughs> um, but like, it'll be interesting if people are comparing you know, the technology that we have now to create this water world avatar business with, like, Avatar that came out in, what, 06? Yeah. Something like that? Like, it came out a while ago. So, like, when we're talking about technology jumps and, like, basically apples to apples, like, I wonder what they're going to look like side (laughs) by side. Or, like, are they going to, like, redo some of old avatars, like, stream old avatar with, like, a new look? I don't know. It'll be definitely interesting to see. But yeah, I think that Lord of the Rings holds up very well. There's only one scene specifically that I can think of where you can see a little bit of its age, I guess. But it's in the first movie. It's in one of the first scenes. (laughs) So it's come and gone. And then, I mean... May I make a confession to you about one of the first movies? (laughs) Um, When I do a Uh rewatch, I always skip Hobbit Town. I start, what, 30 minutes in? When they're like, when they're on the road to go, they're going to be literally leaving that moment. But I I always skip Hobbit Town. Well, then you wouldn't know what scene I'm talking about. So. <laughs> See, so then it's perfect. There you go. <laughs> It'll hold up forever for you. Uh, what's your... I was going to say, if it makes you feel better, my sister makes me skip all the Sam and Frodo parts because she thinks they're boring. So. <laughs> no, I, that's the only one I skip, I promise. Yeah. Okay, good. It's just because I don't need to get see them getting ready. Yeah, that's fair. Just get on the road. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do things. You can have your second breakfast on the way. Like, <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what's your next one? Um, oh, uh, The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow. Beautiful cover. Oh, really? And, like, I had it on my to-be-read list for a long time just because of the cover. And then I wrote, I read, I think it's a very short fantasy, um, (laughs) you know, spindle uh, Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> um, I, I really love fairy tale retellings. Uh, Me too. And so, I, Spindle and Flame, I think it's called. Or I mean, oh, another one you mean the Gaiman? Game yeah, yeah, not that one. It's another one by Alex E. Harrow. Spindle and something. Spindle. Alex E. Harrow. Yeah. Hey. Yes. <laughs> Especially when you have a lisp like me. <laughs> uh, I ended up reading that one first, and I quite, it was very short, but it was very good, and I quite liked her writing style, and then my sister bought The 10,000 Doors of January, so she read it, 
blasted through it in a day, as she does, and then was like, you need to read this book, and gave it to me. So I read it, and I am, like, a hardcore fan of Alex now, because, <laughs> like, so good. I like her writing style. Um, it starts off with the char- the main character is a little girl. Well, she's pretty much a little girl for through most of it, being raised as a ward by this rich man. And at some point in her life, she... I just realized there's a bit of a theme to the two series that I've... <laughs> this one in The Wayward Children. Uh, she sees a door, and she starts to go through it, but then her her caretaker, who I think it was insinuated he couldn't see what she was seeing, uh, at first grabbed her and was like, what are you doing? And, you know, as not nice guardians do, was not very nice to her about it when she tried to tell him... There was a door. I was trying to go through the door. There was a green pasture on the other side. And he was like, you're crazy. Yeah. Um, go to your room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it was very good. I very much like the writing style. It was. It actually took me a while to realize that... So it jumps between the main character's point of view and then this journal she finds in a chest. Mm. And this may be just me, but... <laughs> It took me a minute to, it took me a few chapters to realize the journal she's reading is talking about her, to her. Oh, like, okay. you're reading this now. So, like, and future when self I wrote this, type of thing? You were, like, this old. Okay. I feel like it was just me being a bit dumb, but <laughs> I, once it finally clicked, I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> but it was very magical and just, like, lighthearted for the most part, not too dark, but does deal with a little bit of loss and grief in the family side. Which seems like fantasy kind of Yeah, does. usually you lose one or two parents, so. <laughs> one or two, whatever, it's yeah, fine. It's yeah. fine, it's normal. No trauma there. No, nothing, it's fine. That's interesting. But talking about, I love retellings of any kind of story that you're like familiar with, right? And you, everyone has their favorites. If you've been a longtime podcast listener, you know mine is Beauty and the Beast. Um, whatever, it's fine. It's why I like paranormal romance. It's fine, everyone. Um, but it actually brings me to my last recommendation, which is called The Beast's Heart by Lef Shellcross. Mm-hmm. And this is written from the Beast's perspective. There's no, like, Belle. Uh, the person is Isbo. And so... It's it's so romantic. It's like, I don't know. I was in love with this book. First of all, I had a predisposition to be in love with this book. <laughs> but I was like so in love with this book because you feel like, I feel like, when I'm like reading a Beauty and the Beast something, I my expectations are one million. And if you're at like 900,000, you failed and I'm sad. <laughs> but like, I'm I was reading this book and it's just so romantic and like he's the beast and not great at the beginning whatever he's the beast um but like his like love for her is because we always see from like Belle's perspective from like the human perspective and again you're talking about a book with grief I mean he's a beast he's been lonely and it's just it's so good it's so romantic (laughs) and like it just it's really really good um so obviously we know the story of Beauty and the Beast. He's a bit of a kidnapper. Things are not great. <laughs> but you know what? We forgive him. And I 
I love it. I don't know. I just, I've never read anything by this author. I have no idea how I found this book. <laughs> Nothing. Um, it's on my shelf. It definitely wasn't a gift. I must have found it from somewhere. But it's never been published in, um, like, traditional... Like, it's a UK edition that I have. I've had that happen to me. So I'm like, <laughs> how do I even have this? Um, where did I get it? Nobody knows. And it's not that old, so I feel like I should kind of know something about it. Um, but it's just, it's so good. So if you're, like, looking for, like, a Beauty and the Beast, it's a little bit darker because it's Beast Perspective. But it's just, like, so romantic. <laughs> That's the one. Right. <laughs> the library doesn't have it. You can get it through interlibrary loan. Again, because maybe, I don't know, because it's a UK edition. I'm not sure. Yes, but, yeah. like, I tried to recommend it to somebody, and we didn't have it. It was a patron. Otherwise, I would have lent them my own book. Of course. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just, it's really good. I don't know. Like, it's like a grown-up version of Beauty and the Beast. Like, because we think about the Disney version, obviously. Yeah, of course. Obviously, like, the original stories are dark as well. Yeah. So whatever but it's just it's very very good Dark, darker in a good way yeah <laughs> darker not original. like a creepy gross way though yeah exactly not like the original <laughs> yeah. yeah uh do you have a final recommendation for us this afternoon i'm actually gonna go off my list <gasps> go because go you're, off. <laughs> you're uh, that that your last one just made me think of i don't actually know if this can is i don't know story retelling like fairy tale retellings I guess you had it on your list, but... We could 100% be putting a fairy tale retelling podcast together. Stay tuned, my friends. Yes, I'll be okay with that. <laughs> um, but it's it's called Alice by Christina Henry, and it's a retelling of Alice in Wonderland. I will warn you, if you want to read this book, this one specifically, the other ones by Christina Henry are not quite so... They're still dark, but they don't quite go to the themes that Alice goes to. Um, so definitely check like Goodreads or whatever for spoilers content and content warnings because <laughs> it's it, it's it's a little dark. <laughs> uh, but it it basically you have the old town. I I have aphantasia, so I can't picture things in my head. So this is and it was one of those books that didn't have a map at the beginning, which I love. Um, so my general understanding was that the city was built kind of in a circular pattern, and you have the old town in the middle where basically all the criminals and rundowns and ne'er do wells live and are essentially caged there. There's a big wall separating the old city and the new city, um, and the new city is where all the rich people you know uh, everyone's living the good life yeah exactly (laughs) they're not wanting for food or anything they have pretty dresses and one day although they have to pay like tithes to like the the rulers of the city basically i imagine them as fat gross old men (laughs) (laughs) sitting in their chairs all day as these people bow and scrape in front of them um when alice thinks she sees a white rabbit and she goes chasing after it um it does you you eventually find that out how she left um you start off with her in basically a psych ward and in the cell next to her is the mad hatcher not hatter <laughs> um in there for murdering a bunch of people obviously hatcher yeah <laughs> carried an axe with him a hatchet uh and 
she ventures into the old city. I actually forget why now, but she goes partially for revenge also because she has a scar down her face thanks to the rabbit, not the white rabbit, but that she thought she saw anyways. <laughs> but to my understanding, they were basically like, so the rabbit was described as a human man, but still had like the big white rabbit ears. Okay. Um, the caterpillar kind of looked like a caterpillar in that he was very f- fat and slimy and they were all mob bosses and they owned mm. different parts of the city by being terrible human beings. Yeah. And she works her way through the city, taking them all down. And there was just something so enamoring about taking something that's loopy and quirky <laughs> and making it dark and almost borderline real world enough that yeah. it was just like not traumatizing, but it was a little like, Jarring. Jarring, yes. That was a great word. I had to watch some, like, feel-good movies after that one because it was like, ooh, this was rough. Yeah, we've gone to a different place here. <laughs> yeah. But definitely, if you want fairy tale retellings and you don't mind the darkness, I definitely recommend Christina Henry. She does a few, yeah. Yeah. There's Headless Horseman one, uh, Red Riding Hood. There's one more, and I can't think of it. I love retellings. Yeah, I love them. I don't know. I think it's the same idea of, like, when you rewatch or reread something, that like comfort level of I sort of know the beats you're going to hit. Yeah. And so I can just like enjoy the journey. I read an article like years ago that said a lot of people enjoy rewatching because it takes the stress out of it. You know how the ending's gonna be, you yeah. know whatever's gonna happen. And so it can I'm a person who sometimes reads the end of something first before I read it because I want to make sure that it ends up the way I want it to. Um, and that horrifies a lot of people. But no, I want to know what I'm getting into and then I want to enjoy it. And for me, retellings that aren't like necessarily like twisted retellings where they're just going to like go completely off the rails and just like use the characters. But if you're like doing like a faithful, like interesting retelling mm-hmm. and like I know that you know where we have to end up, then I'm totally fine. Yeah. That sounded a bit threatening, yeah. but, like, also. <laughs> if, if anyone knows Claire, you know that was kind of a threat. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Only a little bit. <laughs> um, so before we go today, Jen, what you been reading? <laughs> completely off the fantasy <laughs> trail. I'm actually reading a romance right now. I love it. Yeah. I love that I I feel very much the ownership of like how many of you that I have like poked and prodded over the years yeah. to be like, do it, do it, do it. And I, now you all are. I know. I swore all those years. I'm never reading romance. Yeah, but you, now you like it. It's, it's, a, really, it's a really good palate cleanser. It's, as yeah. long as they're like happily ever afters, it's a good palate cleanser. So To me, if a romance is not happily ever after, it's not a romance. It's a book with romance. Yeah, that's fair. It's not a romance That's book. a good, yeah. good judgment. <laughs> um, but what I'm reading right now is The Charm Offensive by uh, Alice mm. Cochran. Um, it's a male-on-male romance, but it doesn't start off that way. <laughs> if it wasn't for the cover, I wouldn't actually know that the direction it was going. Um but it's, I've only just started it, but it's very wholesome so far. And one of the main characters is highly anxious, especially in social situations. Doesn't appreciate being touched without like permission or just like advanced Notice. warning. Yeah. <laughs> so like if you go to hug him, to comfort him, he's like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. And just like freezes. <laughs> and like, I don't mind touch, but all his other anxiety quirks. Like, I feel I'm just you, like, my bro. <laughs> I can relate. 
the other main character is just this stoic, handsome, tall man that I do enjoy a stoic, handsome, takes tall control man. of the situation. <laughs> which, like, if I can hand my life over and be like, "You deal with everything," I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you have the skills. What are we gonna do here? Right? Yeah. <laughs> you do all the them. planning. You do all the cooking, and I'm good. I'm just gonna sit here with my cats. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, that's the one that. The original, like, the main character goes on, like, a Bachelor-style show. Yes. Is it that one? Yeah. And then his love interest is actually, like, a producer or yeah. director or something on the show. Producer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a bit of a twist, yeah. obviously. <laughs> but the cover, again, is one of those, like, cute new, like, romance covers where it's, like, a drawn cover. Yeah. Like, a, a, it's very, very cute. Yeah, I'm glad that you've been enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have been reading Recovery Road by Christine Feehan. It comes out on January 24th. And it is the seventh or eighth book in her, in the series. So uh, how best to describe this? So they are a motorcycle club, but they also have like some paranormal elements to them. Like they all have like a gift, if you will. So like one can tell if you're lying just by you like speaking to them or like, um, because it's sort of controlling emotions in like certain ways or like, Anyways, so they all have, like, terrible, terrible backstories of, like, being abused as children. They're all orphans. It's all bad. Um, And then they come together to form this, like, motorcycle club. And they sort of are, like, a vigilante, like, motorcycle club. So they rescue a lot of children and they do a lot of whatever. The guy who is the main guy in Recovery Road, his road name is Master. And he gets sent into prisons to eliminate and alive uh, certain targets and at the beginning of the book we meet him and he's like he's done with it like he can't do it anymore he can't be in prison anymore and like they sent they they sent him like they create scenarios to like get him into those prisons and do these things but he doesn't want to do them anymore and he also doesn't know how to do anything else because he because of his background because of what he means to their club and what his job is in like their little like tiny society of club so i'm not like super super far into it and like it's fantastical in its own way let's just be honest but i love this series and have loved this series it's probably been going on 10 years and she has so many series i don't know how she has as many series as she does and she keeps up with them every year every year you're getting two three books from christine feehan because she has the ghost walker series she has this series she has her like oh what's that series called the first book is called dark celebration i think but like we're talking about book series that have like 20 plus books a lot of them and it's like christine feehan how are you doing all this content bless you but how are you doing it so, anyways, this is her latest one, and I have it from NetGalley, and I really like it. It sounds <laughs> up my alley. So. <laughs> so, I would recommend. Start with the first one. I think they do really. They're one that you probably could read one-off, but it's the kind of series that has a lot of callbacks to characters. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't have the context for, like, who that character is, you probably don't really care about the stakes in the same way. Yeah. That's so, fair. I would recommend that. Okay. What have you been watching? Um... You, you threw me for a loop. <laughs> uh, Grown-up-ish show I've been watching is when, when this... Wow. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Wednesday. There we oh, go. Oh, you've been watching it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't I'm been only, watching it yet. I'm only two episodes in, um, but I love it. So, I sh- I'm like, she's just perfect. <laughs> See, I'm a little bit worried that because there's been, like, so much hype on social media and yeah. I've only heard good things, that scares me the most. I mean... 
I can't say much because I'm only two episodes in, but they are long episodes. And I think story-wise, it's a little, like, there's some elements where it's like, you're not given any context. Mm. And and maybe it's one of those things where you learn context as the show goes, but it's still kind of a little, like, what is going on here? Why is this happening? Why is this the relationship here? (laughs) (laughs) Um... But Jenna, Jenna or- Ortega, I think yeah. her name is, yeah, is like the most perfect Wednesday <laughs> I've ever met. That that stone face of hers is it never moves. And I <laughs> saw something on TikTok saying she never blinks in the I show. I saw that too. So yeah, I've been watching that. So far, she has not blinked, as far as I can tell. So that's too funny. Yeah, it looks visual like as a lot of Tim Burton things. Yes. Visually, it's very realized, yes. so it looks like it is. And would you confirm? Yeah, I think so. Yes. <laughs> Personal opinion. Yeah. yeah. What I've been watching is wildly different from what you've been watching. <laughs> um, I got the DVDs from here, actually. The Nanny. Oh. Do you remember that show from like the nineties? Yeah. I think? So I got the DVDs. We have them. Uh, season one and two come together, and I think season three and four come together. I don't know if there are other series after that. I didn't I didn't look too deeply into it. Um, but I started watching them. And first of all, I feel like in the 90s, there were a lot of, like, jokes about how she was, like, her outfits were very, like, extra and whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, first of all, they're extra. But they're fantastic. <laughs> like, she, like, every single outfit, even when she's wearing jeans, I'm just, like, perfect. <laughs> Whoever the stylist was on that show perfect the kids are actually surprisingly good you know how sometimes when you're watching like a sitcom and the kids are like "Mm," and you're like i can't watch this it's too cringy the only thing that i really don't like is the laugh track but i don't like laugh tracks on anything it always has sort of brought me out of it but like the man who plays niles these are jokes that i absolutely would not have got as a child (laughs) but i was like hilarious This is perfect. And, like, they're just, they're so easy to just, like, get through. Because they're so short. There's, like, 22 minutes an episode. We're talking about network TV. Like, (laughs) so good. I've been enjoying them probably more than is necessary, really. (laughs) I mean, I think they deserve it, so. they're good. Like, and I, I don't know. It just, it felt like one of those shows that was mocked a lot. I don't Mm -hmm. know. But it's, it's funny. Yeah. Maybe it goes off in later seasons. I don't know. But (laughs) I'm enjoying it. Fair enough. What have you been listening to? Uh, I have an audiobook on the go right now. Um, it was reading The Wheel of Time for a while, and I kind of lost... The will? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I was like, not interest, but I lost something. By... Couldn't hold that little book. <laughs> yeah, that was part of the reason, yes. The tiny little books, um, and they're teeny tiny print, yeah. and they're being like 900 pages. And... Books like five, six, and seven are kind of just carbon copies of each other with Mm. a different scenario and a different big baddie that they're trying to take down. Um, But then I I kept reading that book eight, it seems like Robert Jordan kind of finally figured out that... Where he's wanting to go. Yeah, and that, that he doesn't need to be so repetitive. The problem is... Uh, trying to remember all the characters because it's been I think I think it was like two or three years ago I stopped reading at book seven so now I found out we have at least almost all of the audiobooks 
of the series. The last I heard, we might be missing book 11, <laughs> which is kind of annoying, but <laughs> what can you do? Um, so I'm listening to them as an audiobook, and that's helping <laughs> with the not feeling so overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. um, I list, The first day I borrowed it, I listened to it, and by the end it was like, you're already 27% through, and it was like... Holy smokes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it felt like it was only an hour, but I guess that's most of the books. So good narrator. And yeah, they, they have two. So they have a female and a uh, male narrator to kind of... Because there's... If you don't know anything about the Wheel of Time, there's, like, female magic casters. And any male magic casters usually get, like, hunted and put down because the the way the magic manifests, it makes men go crazy. Oh. Eventually. So women, it's basically, like, women are only allowed to be the ones to cast this magic. I can get behind this. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so the female... Uh, narrator usually does like the the little group of magicians uh. for l- lack of a better word uh, and then the male reader does all the the male characters there's four of them from the first book four main male characters mm-hmm. and then two main female characters uh, so I, I kind of like having the difference and I like when audiobooks, like, care about that, too. Yeah. And have, like, sometimes a one narrator can pull it off. Yeah. Absolutely. Whatever. <laughs> but I really like when publishers realize, you know what? We could really do something here with this audiobook mm-hmm. and really make it an experience unto itself. Because sometimes it makes it, yeah, easier to get into. Like, you're talking about a literally an 800-page book. <laughs> so you listen to 25%. So we're talking about probably 200 pages. Yeah. And you didn't even realize 200 pages right? had gone by. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's narration. Yeah. And Amazing. the guy's voice is nice and deep, so it's very relaxing to listen to. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, what I've been listening to is actually a YouTube thing, but I just, I put it on and like, I'll listen to it through my little speakers, like when I shower or like when I'm doing something like cooking or whatever. And it's John Oliver last week tonight. I've been going through like all the backlist and re-listening to old ones, listening, re-listening to new, like I, I've seen them all now at this point, listen to them all. But I still think that they're really good. And I understand that he's not a journalist or whatever, but I don't know what he is then. Like, they say it's a comedy show, but he's, like, teaching you things. And, like, sometimes it's the weirdest stuff, but it's still, like, so, so interesting. I like anything political. I like anything um, just weird. I don't know. They did one on, like, mascots. And I don't know. You just get into it. And it's weird. And it's interesting. And I like it. Like, I don't know. I like the Cole one. I like the slap lawsuits one. <laughs> like, I'm just obsessed with all of them. I could re-listen to them a million times. I think that how he presents is really good. I think that it's less, his episodes where he's not in front of a live audience, like when he was during COVID, yeah. I think the jokes land differently mm-hmm. because maybe he doesn't have, like, the cues from the audience as to, like, when that joke needs to land. Yeah. So, like, some of them, it's... It's weird to listen to, but um, if you listen to the ones that he has an audience for, I think they're, like, they're all good, but I think that those ones are particularly great. It doesn't even matter what he's talking about. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm into it. Fair enough. (laughs) Like, I remember one where he ended the show because he was talking about something quite controversial, and he's like, we're going to all watch a bucket of sloths 
and it's just violently delightful. <laughs> and he tells you that at the beginning of the episode, and then at the end of the episode, and he's like, and here are the sloths, because you made it all the way to the end, and then you see, they're just cute. It's, yeah. And it's just fun. Like, he's great. His staff, clearly great at researching. Mm-hmm. I really, I really enjoy him. Yes. And I think he can offer a different perspective to people that maybe don't really want to engage with certain topics. Yeah, so, absolutely. And it seems like he's he stays aware of what those topics can kind of what effect they can have on his yeah. audience. So he's like, here, have some fun. Yeah. It's like, this is really heavy. Yeah. So here, have some sloths. Yeah. <laughs> but I really like that because I think political discourse at present. Yes. And like through different parts of the time and the world, whatever, it can be very a lot. And I think here in the Western world, we are experiencing a lot of that that we didn't have yeah. <laughs> as much of. And I like that he can present a topic without being an inflammatory like we're just doing it this way it's like here's our topic let's talk about how we got here let's talk about what we do because we are here and then do with that what you will yeah <laughs> like, I like that. <laughs> so I, I really like him i like his little accent it's jarring <laughs> to see him in like i've been watching community sometimes oh yeah so then he's like <laughs> it's in, he's in that that's been weird yeah. but generally i really like him yeah so yeah, that's what I would recommend. And you can watch them for free on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, so why not? And they have no commercials. It must be something that HBO is like to YouTube. You can't do it because they don't have commercials on their network. Oh, but yeah, But, like, yes. you can watch the full 30 minutes, and there's never an ad break on YouTube. Oh, interesting. Right? And you don't even have to pay for, like, no. YouTube or anything? Huh. No. No, it rarely so even has. it rarely even has it at the beginning. Huh. It's bizarre to me. So okay. you can, like, put on the playlist, and it'll just go. Yeah. Well, that's why I don't often watch or listen on YouTube yeah because you're like skip ad skip ad yeah same but nope John Oliver get into it (laughs) well Jen thank you so much for joining thanks for having me fantasy (laughs) sci-fi conversation Uh, if any of these sound good to you check them out we either have them at the library or we can procure them through interlibrary loans visit us at any library or phone us to do that and uh, we hope that you enjoy this January and that things are good so far in 2023. We don't know yet. Yeah, no, we won't know. It's our future selves. <laughs> but we hope things are good. So take care, and we'll see you next time. Bye.